We love hip hop. Let's have a conversation. Um, I think I want to start this with a little bit of music before we get into this, man. Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I uh, we're back over here at the Visionary Art Center, and it's it's been good because I'm getting introduced and big salute to to DJ Andre905. You know what I'm saying? Who hooked this up right here? But let's start with some music and 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 get us into the groove, and let's, let's see do if, it. if if we're on the same page here. Yes, sir. It's about to go down. We, 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 we love hip hop. I'm getting only one ear. Are you getting uh, levels on here? Yeah, we're okay, okay. okay. It's going down. I might jump out the rule like I'm Santa. I might jump out the rule like I'm Santa. I might jump out the Niggas double cross me like a dribble. Now my bitch is popping like a pimple. Let's go. When we come in, we come with extensions. Had to put that little bitch in suspension. Had to tell that little bitch I'm expensive. Niggas fuck up your blood like it's tension. I got one more for you. I got one more for you. Actually, a couple more. Wow. Well, my research, bro. Wow. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, man. It's a vibe. I got one more for you, though. I ain't done. I think my new bitch don't know me. Hey. I think my new bitch don't know me. Turn in the pussies emoji. Turn in the pussies emoji. Let's go. I think my new bitch don't know me. going down man we back over here at the visionary arts center big salute to the people in the listening audience as well as our youtube people hit that subscribe like all that good stuff and salute to our sponsors astro pink if you know you know check them out on their instagram astro underscore pink or on their website myastropink.com but i have the special pleasure to have a conversation here today with a world traveler you know what i'm saying he made it past the border. He got over here into Canada. You ain't got no problems at the border, no? No, no, no. They they seen me and they was like, I'm too smooth. Let it come through. Right through, right? <laughs> you know, it was smooth. Okay. I know it you was smooth. See, sometimes people used to have to 
they have to get the the, the OVO pass to get past the border and all those things. Hey, but shout out, shout out OVO. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Shout out them. Shout out my boy Roy Woods. That's that's actually my brother. Actually, okay, okay. From the OVO camp. That's well, that's my brother. We're definitely gonna be able to. We get actually got some some music. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ah, some unreleased shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some vibes. Okay, we got two okay. for sure. Well, we're definitely gonna get into. The plethora of people that you have songs with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a couple. Yeah, more it's than a, a couple, my It's G. a couple, it's a couple. <laughs> right? So with no further ado, we have Poppy, you're in the motherfucking building. Hey. That's my turn when people say, well, go on. So, you know, I'm Caribbean too. Oh, yeah, eh? Yeah. What island? My mom's Haitian and my dad's uh, Liberian. Okay. Sac passé. Sac Yo, I, I'm originally I'm from Montreal, so there's a huge oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. population mm-hmm. out there. You know what I'm huge. saying? And and you being somebody who's lived in Miami for a long space of time, yeah. you're probably really comfortable yeah, yeah. getting over there with the Zoles and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know the Haitian people, we all like family. It's like you run into Haitian, it's like your aunt, your uncle. Yeah. You don't know them. I could yeah. imagine that, man. So you're the producer for a multitude of things yeah. you know some of the songs i was playing in the beginning r.i.p xxx tentacion yeah um tory lanes yeah Nicki minaj and little baby you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying on, on, on that song do we have a problem mm-hmm. right can we start there can we just start yeah, there? Like, yeah how do you get that placement on that song right there um well <laughs> so i feel like all my placements just happen like just kind of like it's not it's very organic. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been a person like, I feel like if you like walking in your purpose, like God is going to put certain things together to happen for you. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's like, I don't force nothing. You know, I just walk in my purpose and things just happen. You know, obviously, I work hard, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot of things you can't control. So um, for me, I just work hard and make great music and just position myself. And that particular placement happened because I signed with Sony Music Publishing Company in 2020, and they put me in a room with a really dope artist named Tate Cobain. We had like a 12-hour session. Okay. And uh, we made a bunch of music, and then, you know, I gave him a bunch of my beats. And then he got introduced to Nicki Minaj, and he played her a bunch of my beats. And then she just really loved it, and that's how the record came about. And then... You know, we did the, we dropped the, do we have a problem with little baby? And then we drop, we go out with Fabio Foreign, Nikki. Okay. So mm. just because a lot of us are on the outside of how these types of things work, the mechanics and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. When you find out that you're getting, um, like your song or your beat is being selected, you know, that yeah. there's, there's bars on it. There's an actual song made to your beat. <laughs> yeah. How do you find out? Does, does somebody send you a DM? Do, um, do your management well, holler at you? Well, it started with my boy Tate's. It originally started with him, like, just calling me like, yeah, the queen is rocking with your beats. Mm. And I'm like, word? I'm like, which queen? He's like, the queen. And then I instantly know. <laughs> and then, you know, this. then it was like text messages and he'll send me a little screenshot. And then, then it was just like, all right, yeah, she's recording this. Then it's just like, it's done. Baby went crazy. Then it's like, then the label starts reaching out to my people, well, which is my lawyer. Shout yeah. out Brittany Trigg. She handles all the business for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I'll never forget, like I was just playing basketball in my condo. It's like a little basketball court. Okay. And I get a call from my lawyer. Like, yeah, the, I just got the paperwork. It's, it's, we getting ready to drop. 
and then landed. yeah and then it was really cool you know shout out to nikki she really involved me in the rollout mm-hmm. yeah, like this was the biggest rollout i've ever been a part of like you know you gotta understand you know she was kind of like you know she she had her her son mm-hmm. and uh she took a break my apologies that ain't nikki right now eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she, so, so, so she took a break so, her, having her son yeah you know the rollout was big because she took a break you know she didn't really she wasn't really dropping a lot of solo music i think with that rollout this was like the second or maybe the first song from her like quote-unquote comeback yeah this was the first song from the comeback the first for, one, sure, right? yeah. for sure for sure for so sure that's um, big bro like official like push yeah. you know with the label involved and you know, and then also it was like joint. It wasn't just her song. It's Nikki and Lil Baby joint single. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had Lil Baby. I mean, we had Nikki and her label and you had Lil Baby and QC. And then it was like a really big push. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was a part of that rollout, you know. Um, you know, Nikki was shouting me out a lot, you mm-hmm. know, on Twitter and on Instagram. And, you know, you know, she was going on live, shouting me out. I have like videos on my Instagram of her like showing love and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was really blessed. You know, I really appreciate, you know, especially from the fact I didn't really know her prior mm-hmm. to this song and just her just showing love like that. It was just, I was just kind of shocked, you know, but I have so much love for her because she's like, she's like the female Drake. If Drake, if there's a female version of Drake, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say who's higher, you know, because, they, you know, it's the same team, but like. For her to be on that level and just show so much love to someone like myself, it was like very humbling. Yeah, man. And I got a lot of love for her, man. I really appreciate her and I'm very grateful. That's a blessing, bro. So, yeah, man. Like, and, and, you know, in my opinion, like, I don't know, and, you know, I don't know about the other hives and stuff like that, but to me, she and legacy wise is the biggest female artist, period. Yeah, she's definitely, I, I would give her that. Yeah. And hip hop, hands down. Yeah. You know, worldwide, she's one of the biggest to ever do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's a great person. You know, I got a lot of love for her, like I said. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, working with her opened a lot of doors for me, even in other businesses and ventures. And, you know, I'm really big into the tech space now. Yeah. You know, we'll probably come back, have a whole nother conversation on that when the time is right. But, you know, after, you know, cause we, we debuted number one on six different charts on Billboard. Um, Billboard named me the number one producer, uh, for a week. And then I stayed like in the top 10 for like, I think like two months or something. And it was huge. Yeah. So it was a lot of doors that opened. And then obviously we, we did another record, which is the five year foreign mm-hmm. and, uh, record. And it was just amazing. You know, it was just like, <laughs> I, just, I didn't really expect the year to start off like that, but it was a blessing. Yeah. Mm hmm. No, man, I, I, I rate it, bro. I like, I'm really loving to see the come up, man. And, and let's go back. Yeah. Right. You're born in Boston. Yeah. Right. And along the way, you, you made some moves around the country. Yeah. Can we talk about some of the moves before you got to Miami? Yes, of course. So, so, so give me like, I don't remember exactly what states you were in before. So Miami. I was in, I was in, uh, I was in a city that bordered West Virginia and Virginia. Yeah. It was Virginia called, days. it was called Bluefield. Okay. So it's like in the Southwest part, right? And it was a very like country town. Mm-hmm. My, my parents moved there because my dad, uh, he got his first teaching job there. Yeah. My dad's a professor. 
my mom's like she time she was doing like substitute teaching, mm -hmm. but like she was just doing a bunch of stuff. And like we were just like <laughs> like we was broke. Like my mom was working three jobs, my dad was in school, and um, you know, it was like so much cheaper to live out there. And then yeah. my dad got a job, but like we were in the middle of nowhere. And um, you know, prior to that, you know, I come from a great background and you know, my parents always did the best to 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 not let me feel like all right, we're not doing well. But when yeah. I when we moved to West Virginia, like I really felt it. Yeah, you seen the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was in Boston, you know, my mom, my mom's like a super hustler. Like we would go door to door and she was selling Mary Kate. I don't know if you remember that, yeah, but it was I like the makeup. It. it was like a, it was a, a makeup line and she would sell it door to door. And I'd my, go my with it. My in New York, you could do Avon. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, yeah, Mary yeah. Kate, Avon, yep. And it would be a big book of like a big binder of different products. And mm -hmm. she'd sell it door to door and I'd go with her every door. And then we went to West Virginia before, I think when she was substitute teaching, mm -hmm. she would sell like, like scents and oils out of the flea market. I go with her every weekend. Okay. And that would be like our thing. So. Let me ask you about Boston before we go to Virginia, right? I've heard a lot of different places, you know, through basketball and all different things that Boston is a racist place. Did y'all have to deal with that? when you were in I mean, I was. Or did you even like notice it kind of thing? A little bit, but I really dealt with racism a lot when I got to like West Virginia, Virginia. I was actually kicked out of school mm -hmm. my after ninth grade. Me, my sister, and my little brother, and my cousins, and a few of my friends, we were like illegally uh, displaced from the school system. Okay. Uh, due to racism, we had a racist principal and racist coaches and teachers, and they yeah. came up with a strategy to get like the majority of the black people out mm -hmm. because I lived in a border city. So they try to say like, because we live in the same city that borders another town, we can't go to school there. And then they try to say, I wasn't meeting the academic standard, which, you know, by the time I graduated, I graduated number 26 yeah. out of like almost 300 students. And I was like, you know, I, I, I took AP, I was in dual enrollment. Like I, my parents are teachers, so yeah. school was never hard. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was the most racism I dealt with, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was tough. So in, in 2010, you moved to Miami, right? Like off some savings and you got a loan from your uncle. My my uncle co-signed on a private loan for me. Okay. Like it's two private loans. Yeah. Sally mate. I didn't know what I was doing. They were bad and they were bad uh, interest rates on those loans too. Mm -hmm. I think these companies in school, they have like, uh, can they see me? Can I, you can see me out of there from that angle? Okay, just making sure. Um, uh, those loans have like you know when you take these private loans as a uh, as a student, you know you don't you don't really understand what you're signing. Mm -hmm. And I signed these really bad private loans that had really bad rates and really bad terms. And um, but by the grace of God, my uncle co-signed for me, and that's how I was able to like stay in Miami. Yeah, um, it, it helped. Uh, but you know, after I graduated, it was like, all right, I'm not in school. I'm not getting this funding. I had to get a regular job. I worked mm. for like three years and it was really tough. You know, I was sleeping in my car, like couch to couch. You know, I had a cousin, um, I had a cousin 
that he was actually staying in my apartment. I had this apartment that was like by this trailer park and I had like five or six of my boys there. Yeah. And then um, I got kicked out. And when I got kicked out, he got a crib. So I was staying on his couch. Then one of my other boys that was staying in my, my crib, he had got a crib. So I was back and forth between eight cribs for like yeah. half a year. Couch surfing, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during that time, I was like producing a lot. I was making music. I was writing music. You know, it was just like the real, real grind, like like super focused, like nothing stopping me. Like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. I don't care if I got a couch to sleep on, like, or a bed. It doesn't matter. I'm going to, like, put these hits together. Yeah. Well, at the same time, you must have been really inspired because even at, like, where you were going to, stu- to school, you like, you went to an art institute. Art institute. Yeah. I think, speak today, right? I think the, the art institute was, I'm going to be honest, my whole thing about schools when it comes to arts I don't think I haven't really been to a school that's properly done it mm. because if you're in the music industry and you're teaching someone about the music industry, more than likely you don't have enough money to pay someone that's valid to speak. I mean, or teach. And if you do, that person probably doesn't have enough time. That makes a lot of sense. Man. So you're, I went to a, um, this school called Harris Institute of the Arts out here. Mm-hmm. So it's the same type of deal, like a music school. Mm-hmm. You just fucking blew my mind just now. Man. Yeah. So what happens is you're stuck with these teachers that may have like, you know, had a stint in the music industry. Yeah. They may have done one or two things. All of them do. All your teachers. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, which is enough to get them in the door. But I don't feel like they have enough like real experience Right. Mm-hmm. And they end up using this job. They use it as a job. You know, this is a job that pays them, but the experience really isn't there. So you end up graduating. You don't really have resources. You don't have the real knowledge. Yeah. And you got to really start all over again from a, yeah. Maybe you might learn stuff from a technical aspect, but if you want to be a producer, uh, like a brand and all these different things, like, they're not going to show you how to do that. And I would always tell my teachers, I'm like, yo, if I would do, do this, if I was to put this program together, the first class would be branding. Because mm. the music industry is all about your brand. That's a fact. The second class would be learning how to speak to people and network and being likable. A lot of my situations just happened from me just being a cool dude, being a likable dude, being a dude that can come in the room and know when it's time for me to just be chill yeah. and know when it's time to just let my energy and my product speak for itself mm-hmm. or knowing how to like communicate with people without being weird. I think that goes a long way because it's a lot of, if you think about it, like the people who are really like from the creative aspect, there's so many more people that's more talented than the people you might hear. Yeah. That's writing music or producing songs. But the people that are in those positions, they just know how to network. They know how to put themselves in the right place. They know how to, you know, email the right person or show up to the right studio or, mm-hmm. you know, do the things, the extra, the extra auxiliary things that, you know, a regular person may not understand. Yeah. And those, those little pieces that's going to put me or this person ahead of the average person who's just making beats every day with no direction or understanding of how everything works. Yeah. But you know, one thing with those schools though, um, and I feel like you might be able to attest to this as well. 
you get a lot of networking done in those schools with people who are in the ground. Yeah, 100%. Like, and that's, example, that's, that's how I got like in contact with like Tori and certain people. Like, you know, yeah. it was my boy Uno. I grew up with Tori, but he was in the fashion department. Mm-hmm. But I went to a school that had many different, uh, uh, that had many different programs. Yeah. Because I wanted to be exposed to all these things to really network. And it worked. You yeah. know, my boy was in a fashion program. We ended up being cool. He ended up actually growing up with Tori, like mm-hmm. in Florida and stuff. And, you know, years later, my music got to him, you know, but it was just that, you know? Yeah. So the school is good from a networking standpoint. But yeah. like, I just feel like if you're in a, you're studying something that's like, brand based, entrepreneurship based, like there's not, I don't think there's a school in the world that can teach you the things that you really need to learn. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get an emulation of what the real industry is from s- sitting in a class and, and, you know, someone just telling you, you got to really go experience it. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the people that you also met in that school was um, like Grammy award winning producer, Ronnie Jake, right? Yeah. That's actually one of my closest friends. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, he went on to like produce a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. How did that feel? Like you're, you know, you're leaving school. You, you pretty much went homeless, and like you're seeing your peers. Are, like, yeah, not nah, so it, like. Man. So we had this conversation. I just turned thirty last week, and he was with me on my birthday, and he was just like, "Bro, I was coming back on a flight, and I was just thinking like we really made it." Yeah. And there'd be times we'd be in our dorm because we were like that was like one of. That's still one of my closest friends, but like we moved to Miami around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, stayed very close throughout all the, you know, it's not like when he made it, like he just like them, like he just stopped coming around. It's like he was the first person to bring me to LA. Yeah. He was living with XXX. <clears throat> That's how I did the song Emoji. Yeah. And uh, Banded Up was like my first placement. And it was actually a writing placement. I have a songwriting credit on that, not nice. a producing placement. And so he gave me a lot of opportunities, but like bigger than that, like I really got to see someone that is like my real friend make it in life. And that just gave me all the motivation and inspiration I needed. I didn't really need, you know, I never asked him for anything. I never said, bro, like I need money or I need this. or I need opportunity. I just was just like, just being around and seeing it, just that belief. It was just like, I knew I could do it. Yeah. Oh, that's dope, man. And salute to Ronnie Jake, man. Yeah. Um, uh, amazing brother, man. Tell me about working as a hotel audio technician. <laughs> man, um, look, I'm, I, I, I am not a person, like, for me, I don't really take working for someone, like, easily, because in my core, in my essence, um, I'm an entrepreneur in every sense. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur even before I'm an artist. You know, mm-hmm. I started my own business when I was 15. Uh, I used to, I had my DJ business. Okay. So at 15, I would DJ parties, produce the events, sell tickets, rent the venue and work with a sound company and have my cousin be the security guard. I had my mom cook food. And like, it was crazy. I had a whole enterprise, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I started that and that's how I really got like have first in the music. Mm-hmm. So when I started working a corporate job, I mean, it was a corporate job. I worked for a triple five star hotel. Okay. It was called the Mandarin Oriental. Wow. And that sounds rich. 
<laughs> yeah, it's on this island in Miami. Yeah. And um, it was really intense because I had to wear a suit every day. Mm-hmm. And like the days. So one thing about the hotel business that you like don't realize when you stay in a hotel is that this business can never shut down. It's a 24-7, 365 fully operating business. Mm-hmm. And when you have a business like that, if you're working for that business and that company, you kind of live a 24-7 life with the company. Yeah. So for what I was doing, I was on the clock. Like, I didn't have like a set schedule. There was days I worked 16 days straight, you know, minimum uh, 12, 14, I mean, 17-hour days. Wow. Um, so it was really rough. And, you know, it was humbling for me, especially psychologically, because I was I was working this job. I was already working with like big artists. Like I was working with Faruko at the time. I was even working with Bad Bunny. Mm. No one knew of Bad Bunny at the time. Early Bad Bunny. It was the time when he made this song called Crippy Kush. Okay. So I was working with him and knew Bad Bunny before he blew up. And I was working with an artist named Faruko. Shout out my boy T. Cates. Mm-hmm. His uh his bro, this dude named is this dude named Frank. And that was that's Faruko's manager. And at the time I was living downtown in this condo and my boy T. Cates was living in that building. And there was a girl that was like best friends. There was a girl where her brother was best friends with him. And that girl told him about me. And then one day we randomly met. Right. And then he just brought my beats to a bunch of artists. And Faruko was one of them. So at that time, imagine I'm working at a triple five-star hotel, fresh out of college. I'm being bossed around in this corporate place. And then I'll leave work and go to the studio with like uh, Bad Bunny and Faruko or Tory Lanez and, or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and not to mention like two months behind on rent too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's not yeah, forget that part. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. But so no, that was after actually. Really? That was after. Okay, so I actually. I want to mix up the timeline. Yeah. So I worked that job for about, there was a day I quit. And when I quit, my boss, shout out to him because he did something really cool. He allowed me to work. So I told him I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to me and he was like, you know what, man, I'll do something for you. I'll allow you to work part time on your own hours. Wow. So whenever you want to come in, you just let me know. You can come in and pick up some hours. Oh. And I did that after I quit for about a year and a half, two years. And then I finally was just like, man, like I really need to give music my own, man, and really yeah. go. And that's when I fully quit. And it was like 2018 and 2019 was the first year I just didn't work a job at all. Yeah. And that was the year where I was just hustling. I was like, even like anything I could sell, I was selling, I was selling beats. I was selling music equipment. I think I was even selling clothes. I was like, I really turned into a salesman, bro. Yeah. And a, a super hustler. And then, you know, I'm, you know, at the time I had a Benz in a condo. So like, I just didn't want to lose any of those things. So I was just like, just grinding really hard. And it was tough, you know, like I said, and then we get to that point where I was behind two months on rent Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't know what to do. (laughs) And then at that time I was working on this, the chicks tape for Tori. And I was just pulling up to the studio with beats and beats and beats. And then I think he didn't even tell me he was working on a chicks tape. I just seen it in the interview. And um, 
I just played him a bunch of beats and songs. I was like, I was writing, I was producing, I was recording. I was just doing everything I could at the best of my abilities. And then one day he just hit me like three in the morning, like, bro, send me them chicks tape sample beats you did. And one of them was Jerry Sprunger. One of them was The Take by Chris Brown. Yeah. And one of them was The Falsetto. Uh, it's called Love Sounds with The Dream. Mm-hmm. And then I think a few weeks later, it was my birthday. My boy told me to come to the studio and he was recording Jerry Sprunger on my birthday yeah. in uh, 2018. And then the, the, the video with him and T-Pain pops yeah, up. Yeah, and then the video pops up. But then the song didn't come out for another year after that. Mm-hmm. So imagine like, I know this song is going to change my life, but like, yeah, I had to wait two years because I, I made it one year, then he got it another year. Then I think the following year is when they put it out. Yeah. So it was like a good two year and a half kind of waiting process. And then that song dropped right after I was late two months on my rent in my car note. That's crazy. And then I like texted my landlord like, yo, please just give me till this date in December and I'll pay you everything. Yeah. And then the song came out, the song ended up going number one on Apple Music. And I just was just like, it was just like, God just came in the clutch, man. That's why I have so much faith. Like, I don't ever like doubt anything. I don't, it's like, I know God really has everything mapped out for me and everyone else too. Yeah. But it's depending on your faith and your, your obedience to him as well. Yeah. I, I, I hear a constant, theme throughout this conversation that we're having here yeah and it's your your strong faith right yeah. even in your bio it says jesus christ is the way yeah on, yeah on your instagram yeah right so For like sure. what brought you that strong um faith faith that you have um i think it's my family and most importantly my mother mm-hmm. you know my mom was the first person to ever believe in me and it was my uncle too yeah my uncle roland and he's the one he's actually a pastor and I remember when the day I was like I was born, he prayed for me, and like I remember like he ended up shaking because he said I, he felt the Holy Spirit. And then at that time, he was like, "This is not an ordinary kid. He's gonna be something special." Yeah. And I think you know, my mom's has always kept me grounded, and I've because of that, I've actually seen results based on my faith. Mm. You know, um, you know, I lived in a town of ten thousand people, moved to Miami at seventeen, ended up putting out num- producing number one albums, producing number one songs, um, winning awards, becoming number one producer for hip hop in the world. Like just, these are just things that just don't happen like for everyone. And I know it's not just me. Like some people just like, oh, it's just me. I'm just the greatest in the world. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's like, I know it's God. Yeah. And I know that because of him, this is where my success comes from. And because of him, like, I just can't lose. Like, everything I've ever done in life, I've won. Mm-hmm. I've reached the top of anything I ever tried. Like, I remember when I was 17, I did this business program that my dad put me in. I didn't even want to do it. Yeah. But my dad was like, look, they'll give you a $1,500 stipend and, and there's a $3,000 reward, a bonus if you end up winning. Right. And um, I ended up doing it. And then that... So when I was in high school, I was actually in high school and college at the same time. I did okay. what's called a dual enrollment. So when you're a senior, you could go to college, but I only did it so I could stay in, so I could skip school because I only had to be in school till 1130 AM every day, regardless if I had college classes or not. So because of that, when I graduated high school on my resume, it looked like I was a college student. Okay. So I was able to get into certain programs. 
So that's how I got into this business program. Yeah. And in that business program, there were actual lawyers, doctors, like masters, PhD students, MBA students. Yeah. And I ended up winning first place at 17 amongst these grown men and women. Wow. Like I had this big trophy and then like they gave me like uh, a big, uh, for me at the time, it was like $3,000 yeah. uh, or $2,000 or something. And it was this big check. Well, and I'm like 17. You want it, fam. Like it's from, you want it from nothing. You got to remember, you, you just start that day with 3,000 in your pocket. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so like, I, the point is I ended up winning, like, you know, and, and that's always been like my story. I've always won at whatever I wanted to do or everything I try to do, but it's not because of me. It's because of God. I yeah. just feel like I'm just blessed. And that's why I have so much faith. And this is why you might, that's why you see that in my bio. Yeah. Because it might inspire someone else to have some faith. Exactly. It might inspire someone else to, okay, man, let me see what it, like if it works for this guy, maybe it could work for me. And yeah. then now, now your perspective changes, and your outlook on life can change. Oh, so you're, you're living proof, man. And even like just off the cuff here, like how did you know you, you're here now, right? You yeah. accomplished all this. How did you stay focused to stay out of trouble when you were growing? I just always knew I would be here. So everything with me is, I, I've been super tactical since even a kid. Yeah. Like even when I was in high school, like I made sure to not get in any trouble. So my parents would trust me to move to Miami or I really wanted to go to New York, but it didn't work out. But my parents allowed me to leave home when I was 17 and I never came back. Right. You know, I'm 30 now. So you're talking about maybe what? Next year, make it 13 years. I've been like on my own mm-hmm. since as a little boy, you know? So I've always been tactical. I always knew that I was like a, a chosen one or they'll say a golden child. Yeah. Like I've, I felt it, you know, as a kid, even as a, you know, and when I got to Miami, it was like, it was like, it was super crazy, man. That was the year, the year I moved to Miami, LeBron moved to Miami and went to the heat and, it, it it was like Jersey Shore was in Miami. It was just like Miami, but it's like that year in 2010, Miami was like on fire. It was like, like, all right, Miami is becoming the new it place. Like, yeah. I think Wayne moved to Miami a few years prior. And I think that's when Nori moved out there too. It, it was and, just, yeah, it was just like this, a certain energy in the city. And it was fun. It was cool. But I always knew like, I got to stay focused. Like, you know, obviously I, I was young. I did like, you know, I had a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I always knew what the vision was because I know like nobody's going to do it for me. Yeah. And it's not like I had a lot of help. You know, I, I love my parents. They, they did every single thing they could do for me. And that's also a reason too. But I know like, I don't come, like I can't say that. Give me a trust fund. Give me yeah. your trust fund money. Like, you know what I mean? My parents are just hardworking Bail people. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they're not in position. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like, for me, I'm going to go get in position. Yeah. Nah, man, you, you have a, a super interesting story, man. Let's get, just before we end this, this conversation here, into just a couple of business things, right? Yeah. Just so that we can give some jewels to the people, right? Mm-hmm. How does a producer get paid from a beat? Um, There's many ancillary forms of income as a producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest is publishing. Right. Which is, there's two types of royalties, publishing royalties and mechanical royalties. 
And the publishing is like radio, movies, TV, um, even Spotify pays out a different royalty for the publisher yep. uh, and the publishing. Um, but if you have a hit song, you'll make a lot of money from radio because uh, radio pays about five to six dollars per spin in the major cities. Oh, I did not know that. So man. when you hear those songs that are like, uh, like, do we have a problem? Debuted at like number three on urban radio. And those checks were <laughs> kind of crazy. And those are the biggest, those are the biggest publishing checks I've ever seen. And some game also for mechanical royalties, that's 50%. Uh, most of the time. Well, it depends on your publishing on the song. Okay. But think of it. I'm the only producer on Do We Have a Problem? Mm. I'm the only producer on Broken a Minute. So like my biggest records, uh, and even Jerry Sprunger, there's one co-producer. Okay. Like he did like something at the outro of the song. Yeah. But like, imagine I have three huge singles and I'm the only producer. So, you know, a lot of producers like me, I don't have like a big, huge, like a producer have hundreds of songs. I think I have like maybe like 15 songs or at really like five or six songs of major artists, like yeah. maybe like seven, eight songs of major artists. But the last three years, every song I produce has went platinum, gold or number one. Yeah. That's what my lawyer told me. So, uh, yeah, when you're the only producer on a song and that song goes to radio and debuts really well on the charts, mm -hmm. you know, there's some money to, some money to go get there. For yeah. You, you yeah. know? Um, uh, have you ever been screwed over on a beat? Like, you know, no, no. Um, the fuck, how is this beat getting played in? Actually, man, yeah. Well, yeah, when I like in the MySpace days, like people would like steal my beats yeah. off my page. And then like some person stole my beat and sold it to another artist. And then I go on his MySpace page and he's rapping on my beat. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And it's crazy because the beat was like only like a minute or 45 seconds. Yeah. And they just, they, the, the rapper rapped just for the that only part. He didn't even loop the beat. Yeah, I think that was the only time. But like, it was like, I was like in high school. Like, okay. It wasn't crazy. But like as a professional artist, producer, uh, we standing on good business. Like, mm. like they don't play with us. That's you know, true. I got a great, uh, team. I have a great lawyer. She's amazing. Yeah. Her name is Brittany Trigg. She doesn't play. Strong, strong black woman, man. Yeah. See, and she's not afraid to put her, her foot on these people's necks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figuratively yeah. speaking, not yeah. actually kicking someone's neck. So, yeah. You gotta have a hungry lawyer to eat the case. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. I have a, actually, I have a team of great black women. My account is a black woman as well. Mm. So, actually, the women are actually great for me right now i have a great women that are helping me that's dope man um last couple questions biggest accomplishment so far the biggest i would say is two things actually mm -hmm. biggest accomplishment in my career would probably be reaching number one on a producer list on okay. billboard because that was something i wasn't even checking for I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> yeah, there's a, every week Billboard puts a list of the top 10 producers and writers and artists mm -hmm. uh, on Billboard. Like right. this is like, you know, if you make this list, you're the best in the world. Like literally, this is based on like, it's not even based on opinion. It's based on actual numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it would be that and then having a number one song. 
Okay. And I was a Nicki Minaj and Lil Baby having a number one single. Yeah. Because I always wanted a number one song. Like, you know? Shit, man. So. This is going to be the one of many. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm working on a lot, actually. I actually, like, been doing a lot of work in the pop. Like, I'm got really heavy into the pop world. I've been working with, like, some of the biggest, like, pop. K-pop, like writers and producers, and Whoa. yeah, there's a few big ones I've been working with. Yeah, and we've been making some incredible music because I'm bringing like my flavor to their flavor, and it's like two worlds colliding, but like in a great way. The check is hella large. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. yeah. Let's not yeah. play, bro. The check is is is, is handsome. The that check shit is goes crazy. The check right? is handsome. People love that stuff. Yeah, man. and and you know the hip hop is is cool too, but. Um, now it's just about expansion. You know, I'm, I never, like, I never wanted to be a one trick pony. Yeah. And I never wanted to be someone you could, um, you could see, uh, anticipate. Yeah. Okay. Last question. With everything that you've gone through over your years, over your 30 years, right? Um, all the stuff that you've learned, ups and downs. What's one thing you wish you knew then that you know now? The deep one. Um, there's a few because it can go a few different ways. I think one thing is like you can't really trust people and you can't really trust that people have your best interests as well. And also not to take things personal. You know, at the end of the day, it's like like when you learn not to take things personal and you shrug things off, you could bounce back harder. You can move with more. You can move with more logic and rationale instead of emotion. So like when you make emotional decisions, it's like imagine if you're in a fight and you're not like, you're just like punching someone with rage and you're not like controlling that rage. You're just swinging, like you'll get knocked out because you're not moving, uh, you're not moving with poise or composure. You're moving with rage. You're moving with your emotions. You're letting your emotions guide the fight. You'll get knocked out. Same way in life. Yeah. If you let your emotions lead, you'll get knocked out. You'll fail. You gotta let your mind, your spirit, right? So that's the that's the most truest things. Yeah. You know. No, fam. Like the second thing that you said, super profound. The first thing has been a running theme because I've asked this, I asked this question every interview, like for the last maybe 40 interviews, right? And that trust theme has become yeah. a thing to so many people, especially people who have attained success, man. Yeah, you know, you think like when you come across like big people, I want to help you in this. It's just like, you know, you're you thinking like a lot of people really, you can trust somebody or you, you, you know, you fall in love. You think you could trust a woman or this girl. And yeah. You know, people have their own agendas and sometimes people aren't developed in certain areas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I dated a girl that wasn't, uh, when I was like first in Miami, I dated a girl who wasn't, um, developed in certain areas because she didn't grow up with a real father. Yeah. So she always looked for love and appreciation and validation in other men, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also led her to be more promiscuous, right? Um, she wasn't developed in this, that area. Yeah. So 
I can't blame her because I'm with her at a point of where her development is not there. I just got to remove myself. You know what I'm saying? Just like certain people, like you might be doing with business with a person who's not developed in a business sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they might genuinely, they, they may, they may genuinely want to do good business with you, but they're not developed in that area. Yeah. And now it messes things up. And now it's like, ah, oh, man, I can't trust this person because they messed me over. But maybe they just genuinely wanted to help you, but they weren't developed in that area. Yeah. So I think it's like also like development. Sometimes like people aren't developed in certain areas and it causes other things to mess up. And you got to give people time to develop. And maybe you got to develop without them. And you got to do, you, they got to do their development over there. You got to do your development over there. Not everyone can go, man. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm learning too. Like some people just aren't developed in certain areas. Yeah. And when you can like identify that, it makes life easier because now you know what to do. That's jewelry right there, man. Yo, Poppy, you're man. I appreciate this conversation, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I watched some of your interviews to get some of my research points and some of these questions. I appreciate that. But I always try to dig a little bit deeper and, and, and make sure that, you know, the, your audience and the people who are going to be receiving this can get the real story. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate you being so candid with me today. Man. Of course. Of you course. And I appreciate you too. I, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure being in Toronto, man. I get a lot of love here and it's a good vibe. Yeah, man. Anytime that you're back in the city, feel free to pull up. Let me know what you got going on with you. Yes, Let sir. me know what you got coming up next just so that, you know, the people could know from when they watch this right right now as well. Yeah. So it's a lot of, a lot of new music with your favorite artists. <laughs> you know, you put two and two together and, mm. You can figure out who those artists are, and then listen for the tag. Yeah, but you hear that tag, you already know it's 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 a banger. Yeah, and um, you know, we got a lot of big business on the way. You know, I'm having the tech space. You know, we got some great apps on the way, mm. and um, yeah, new music is coming very soon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. Make sure to follow Poppy Year on yeah. Instagram. The one with the check mark, okay? <laughs> no imitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P-A-P-I-Y-E-R-R. Right? Yeah. P -I -P -I -R -R. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And shoot me a, you know, shoot me a, uh, shoot me a message, man. I, I like to reply to, to everyone that supports me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And everybody stay blessed out there. God bless you, heard? Yeah, man. Um, Thank you for your time, man. Big salute to our sponsors, Astro Pink. If you know, you know. <clears throat> That's something that pink in, in my chest right there. Hold on, where's my music at? Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to hit that like button. Share this video across to all your people, them. Astro Pink. Astro underscore pink on Instagram. MyAstroPink.com. It's your boy Friday, Ricky Dread. I'm off of this. Let's go. <laughs> Great interview, man. We love hip hop. Okay, spin it. Uh, damn.